Hey there, future fans. This week, we're trapped on an island. We're in the cold, but at least we have our neighbors. This is the week of November 22nd, 2019, and you are listening to episode 157 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. That is right, it is time for yet another episode of Future Flicks with Billiam. And this episode may be a little lacking in the news and the trailers. This this new job has been kind of kicking my butt, not because it's difficult, but because of the time shift. And I'm just not used to it yet. For so long, for the better part of a year now, I've been working 7.30 to 3, and all of a sudden they have me jumping around and... That's my excuse, and you know what? I'm sticking to it. So how about we introduce you to the show, in case you're new. Everyone else who's listened to the show before, you know this spiel, and I'm sorry, but it's time to do it yet again. You are listening to Future Flicks with Billy, and on this show, we do quite a few things. The first of which is that we have a little introduction, which you've already heard. And then we jump into the news, which is... Is any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. Then we talk about the movie trailers, any new movie trailers since the last episode. Then we talk about, wait for this, are you ready? The movies that are coming out this very week, the week of November 22nd. And we will break those up into two, count them, two categories. The first is the limited release section. Next is the wide releases and interesting indies. And in both of these sections, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. And then that's where the limited section stops. But in the wide releases section, we do just a little more. And I tell you my thoughts on the movie. And then I wrap it all up with a Billiams interest level score, aka the Bill score, yay. The Bill score can go anywhere from a zero for those terrible, terrible films to an 11 for those films that turn it up that extra notch and get me oh so excited we then wrap it all up in a nice little bow with the question of the week unless it was last week but there'll be a question of the week again this week so we wrap it all up with a nice neat little bow called the question of the week and i send you along your way to listen to the other great podcasts in the somewhat nerdy podcast network as well as the great friends of the show well without further ado let us jump into our first segment which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Ladies and gentlemen, this first story comes to us from BBC News, and I hope that you have not been affected by it. According to BBC, Disney Plus fans, thousands of them, have had their information stolen after hackers took it from, well, Disney. Apparently hackers stole this information and put it up for sale on the dark web. Which sounds more like the name of a Spider-Man noir movie than anything, but you know what? It's a scary-ass place full of sketchy-ass 
And apparently, thousands of the 10 million original subscribers to Disney Plus have had their information stolen, so I hope you are not one of them. This next story comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. If you haven't heard, Charlie's Angels has flopped. And if you remember in the past, I've talked about stories where, oh, it was Ghostbusters. It was the 2016 Ghostbusters, how they're talking about that movie flopped. But I forgot what the other film was, but there was another film from earlier in the year that did just as much in its first week gross. But all of the news stories were saying that the movie killed it. And I know what some of you may be thinking, it had nothing to do with gross versus cost to make. You know what, I can't find the original story, but if, if you've been listening to the show for a while, especially back then, I mentioned it when the story came out, that there was other movies that same year that did worse when you took gross versus cost to make into, a, into account. There were movies that did worse, but were called successes. However, Charlie's Angels is not one of those. As its opening weekend, it made a meager 8.6 million. Well, director and writer Elizabeth Banks is sticking by her movie and has acknowledged that it is a flop, but does say she's proud of the angels and glad it is in the world. I don't think the movie's going to do very well from here on out. I, it, might, it may eventually make back its money, but I don't think it's going to do very well. What I think this is going to do is signal the sign of Kristen Stewart's return to bigger movies where she is a colorful, where she is a dynamic and interesting actress because we have a trailer coming out that we're going to talk about in the trailer trove where she looks f***ing amazing. And if you remember me talking about my thoughts on Charlie's Angels, you will remember that I said that the other two women looked boring as and I couldn't remember who was who. But Kristen Stewart, Bella, whatever her name, of all people, was the one that stood out to me. And this is coming from me, someone who likes Naomi Scott. But officially, yes, it's a flop, but Elizabeth Banks still stands by it, and good for her. You know what? She made a movie she liked Stand by it, own it. I mean, even if the rest of the world doesn't see it, you saw something in it. You know, talking about Disney Plus, there's this interesting article from Business Insider. Well, okay, the whole thing wasn't that interesting. It was just an interesting point it brought up. And I want to know if any of you out there have Disney Plus, let me know if this is true. Because while I did say I was planning on getting the service, and I still do, I decided not to actually give it, give them money until I decided to actually use it. So the day Anne and I sit down to watch something on it is the day they will get my money. So it is a question not of if, but when. But anyway, the question I have is that this story from Business Insider claims that Disney Plus does not let you see what you finished or started. Kind of like how Netflix does, where it reminds you, hey, you haven't finished this. Or here's where you are on this show. So if any of you, my future fans, my future friends out there, if any of you do have Disney+, Plus, let me know if this is true. In a story from Hollywood Reporter, three more people involved have called for the release of the fabled Snyder Cut of Justice League. Those people are Zack Snyder himself, Ben Affleck, and Gal Gadot. Now, if you don't remember, in May of 2017, Zack Snyder, direct, writer and director of the Justice League, stepped down after the death of his daughter, Autumn, so he could be with his family. Very understandable. There's ever a reason to walk away from a movie. This is it. Well, Joss Whedon stepped up, and even though Joss Whedon is great, it's apparently, oddly enough, hard for one director to pick up where another director left off and kept their vision going when the two have different styles. Anyway, this fabled Snyder Cut has become fabled because of so many people that have seen it 
say that it's amazing. And now people who haven't seen it, like most of the actors in the movie, apparently. So Jason Momoa, Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot have come out and said they want to see this. And I think it would be very interesting to see this because where it stands right now, in my mind, Justice League is a flawed but still enjoyable movie. I can still watch it and enjoy it. It's fun. But if we can make that even better, if we can make the whole experience better, then give it to us. I don't see any reason for Warner Brothers not to do this. Warner Brothers could only win. This has been so hyped for so long that releasing the Snyder Cut, hell, re-release the DVD and have it have, have two of them have this a double feature of the original cut and the Snyder Cut, so many people will rebuy it, so it's only going to be profit for them. Anyway, we can only hope that one day it will come out, but in a news story from Slash Film, one that makes me go, what? Director David Fincher is continuing a collaboration with Netflix with a new project that makes me so scratch my head, a prequel a prequel TV series to the film Chinatown. That's right, the film Chinatown with Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, John Huston, originally directed by Roman Polanski. So I want you to sit back. My future friends, I want you to sit back and think about all of the movies out there, all of the projects throughout cinematic history that you could have requested, that you could have wanted, ever dreamed of seeing a prequel to or a sequel or, or a TV series based off of. Think about all of those, all the many things you would like to see and ask yourself, has Chinatown ever been on that list? If you say yes to that, Please, please tell me why. What are you hoping for? What do you think this could be about? This next story is another one from Slash Film. According to J.J. Abrams, he says that Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker did not have to change Princess Leia, or Leia, just Leia's story, due to Carrie Fisher's death. Apparently that story has stayed unchanged, and they were just able to use already shot scenes and, and a little bit of CG to make it happen. And I did wonder about that. I did wonder how the story changed because Leia wasn't a huge character in this new in, in this new trilogy. I mean, she was definitely there. She was an important part, but she wasn't as big as Rey, as Kylo Ren, as Poe, or as Finn. So I was wondering how much the story was going to change because of her death and if it was going to affect it at all. And luckily, the end product is going to be the same as if she was still alive, so the quality is still going to be there. And finally in the news, Jason Momoa seems like he has a good head on his shoulders because apparently he chose a metal vocalist to train him for a war cry scene in the show Scene. This again is an Apple TV Plus sci-fi series called C, not Scene, I'm sorry. And for this scene where he has some epic war cry, he hired a heavy metal band vocalist to train him for this which I think is really smart because these people scream for a living and they can talk still. I try to sing along to just the chorus of a death metal song and I cannot record that week. Apparently he hired uh, vocalist Oil Peters from Archspire. Well, ladies and gentlemen, since I have not been paying a lot of attention to the news this week, that is it for the news. Once again, if there's anything I miss, just let me know and I will talk about it next week. But let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Imagine yourself. 
yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, my future friends, we are back with the trailer trove. All right, folks, first off, we have to talk about the new trailer for the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, set to come out next year. And you know what? We all probably know why we're talking about this. We're talking about this not because it's a SpongeBob movie, but because live-action Keanu Reeves is in this movie playing Sage, a sage who lives in a ball of sage. That's all I need to know. I was never a big SpongeBob fan. I I did enjoy it when I did watch it, but it was a little at the end of my time. So I watched cartoons, probably like a lot of you, if you're big nerds, probably watched cartoons much longer than... Other people did. Maybe even you still do. But when I hardcore religiously watch cartoons, SpongeBob was at the end. SpongeBob was at the end of that time of the Nick Tunes. My time was more Ren and Stimpy, Doug, Angry Beavers, Ah Real Monsters, stuff like that. But not only does this new SpongeBob movie look funny and enjoyable, but Keanu f***ing Reeves. That's all I need to know. This has a release date of May 22nd, 2020. And next up, folks, for the next trailer, we have a film that made me say words that I didn't think I would say until Bad Boys 3 came out, and that's, I want to see a Michael Bay movie. That's right, we are talking about Six Underground, the Netflix original film by writer Rhett Reese, who worked on movies like Deadpool and Zombieland and G.I. Joe Retaliation. So he wrote the movie along with Paul Wernick, who wrote and produced all those movies as well, so a good team going there. The movie was then handed off to cinematic dumpster fire Michael Bay, and you know what? It doesn't look that bad. This may be the fourth Michael Bay movie that I don't... Fifth. Fifth Michael Bay movie I don't entirely shit on. You know what? Let me let me actually count. Let me actually count how many Michael Bay movies I liked, and I'll go over them with you. So uh, only the Michael Bay directed ones is what we're talking about. Okay, I actually didn't know that there were this many. Uh, Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor. Uh, The first Transformers. I liked the first Transformers, but the rest were garbage. And apparently he didn't direct the Ninja Turtles movies, though I do blame him for that awfulness. But this doesn't look bad. Some of you may not be familiar with the overall hatred for Michael Bay. Why he still does these huge, high-grossing blockbuster movies, but a lot of people tend to hate him. Because there are two separate camps talking here. There are the camps of people who just like big, flashy blockbusters, and quality doesn't really matter to them. And then there are the other people who may still like big, flashy blockbusters, but realize that the quality of stuff Michael Bay was putting out, anything past Transformers 1, was awful. But anyway, the... Trailer for Six Underground came out. I was watching that, and at first I was quite upset because I thought I was watching an unskippable ad because it starts out like an ad for tourism for Italy. So we have this film that looks like an action thriller with a big hint of comedy in it because it stars Ryan Reynolds, also has Dave Franco and Melanie Melanie Laurent, who, if you don't know who she is, 
Melanie Laurent was in Inglorious Bastards and Now You See Me. This film looks hilarious. It looks wonderful. It looks enjoyable. It looks like the kind of movie that Michael Bay should have been making the whole time. This is set for release December 13th. And believe me, that's going to be in the wide releases and interesting indies section. Next up, my future friends, we have a trailer for a movie that made me go, uh huh? And that was Fantasy Island. Yes, based off the TV show from 1977 of the same name. Yes, the show starring Ricardo Montalban. So why did this make me go, hmm? Well, here's the thing. It's a horror movie brought to us by Bloomhouse. It's directed by Jeff Wadlow, who directed movies like Truth or Dare, Kick-Ass 2, and produced Bates Motel. And I'm so... I so don't know what to think. Uh, So I like the fact that if they're going to do anything with Fantasy Island, anything at all, that they went their own way with it, but they went they, they went their own way so much that I'm wondering why. Why they didn't just make their own movie. They can even just say it's inspired by Fantasy Island, but call it its own thing. Don't even hint besides more than a tip of the hat to the original because it's so, so different. The basic premise is the same. You go to the island, you live your fantasy. It just so happens that some people's fantasy involves torturing their high school bully or seeing their dead child again. You know, really happy sh**. I don't know. I just, I'm so confused. Just watch the trailer yourself. And honest to God, watch the trailer and tell me what you think. Tweet me, comment randomly on an Instagram picture. Um, If you know me personally, just text me. I... I'm just so confused. All right. Anyway, next up, we have a film called The Way Back. Not to be confused with The Way, Way Back, which was that Steve Carell movie, but this is the movie starring Ben Affleck. And uh, let's see, any anyone else big? Well, let's just stick with Ben Affleck for now. This is about a former high school basketball star who's now struggling with alcohol- alcoholism. And from what I can put together in the trailer, he's battling alcoholism after the failure of his marriage probably due to a mix of the death of their child and his subsequent drinking. So he is basically hitting rock bottom. He gets a call from his old alma mater, his old high school saying, Hey, we need a new basketball coach. We want you. They have a terrible team. The last time they won anything was when he was still a high school student playing for the team. And it's about him trying to turn the team around. So this is a familiar story. This is a very 90s familiar story. 80s, 90s. We're so familiar with movies like this. Right off the bat, I think of Eddie. I was just talking about Eddie the other day because that the movie Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg was how I learned that when you're guarding the net, you plant your feet because then they, the other team is charged with charging. Or charged, you know, I don't know basketball terms, but that's all I know. And I know it because of the movie Eddie. But Eddie is a much happier story. It's a comedy, while this is a drama about this guy who's hit rock bottom. And I feel kind of like a dick saying this, but Ben Affleck is really, really good at playing a guy that hit rock bottom. He's so believable as this tortured, struggling person. I really want to see this, and I hope it's going to have some sort of good ending and not, like, them winning the championship and then him dying in a car accident because he's drunk. I hope hope that it goes in a good direction. All right, folks, if you remember during the during the news, I talked about a film in the trailer trove that was going to get me to go all bonkers for Chris and Stewart. Well, that movie is called Seberg or Seberg. I'm not sure how you say it, but this is a biopic about Gene Seberg, an actress from the 60s 
And this is inspired by true events. So I have not looked this up yet. So I'm just going to tell you what the premise for the movie is. So I don't know how much of this is true and how much of it is speculation. So inspired by real events about the French new wave darling and breathless star Gene Seberg, who lived in the late 1960s, was targeted by Hoover's FBI because of her political and romantic involvement with civil rights activist Hakeem Jamal. So long story short, this actress believes in the fight that the Black Panthers were fighting for. And because of that, because she did it publicly, the FBI was like, oh, no, f*** you. We're going to have to ruin your life. Once again, I don't know how much of this is actually true, but what really impressed me about this movie was that Kristen Stewart looks phenomenal. Is the movie going to be good? I don't know. It just looks okay. But it looks like one of those movies that is okay, that is acceptable, that's mediocre, but has an element in it that is shining. And that's her. This film comes out December 13th. All right, folks, next up, we have a, another movie actually coming out the same week that looks very similar to Seberg in the way of a movie that looks okay, that has fantastic elements in it, and that's The Death and Life of John F. Donovan. This is a film with a stellar cast, including Kit Harrington, Natalie Portman, Jacob Tremblay, Susan Sarandon, and Kathy Bates. Oh, f no, we got to see this movie. Jared f***ing Kiso's in it. I think that's how you say his name, Jared f***ing Kiso from Letterkenny. The guy behind Letterkenny is in this film. That's it. That's it. That's all the move. That's the only movie you need to see at all is this. Okay. I don't care if it's shit. he's in it. I want to see more Wayne. I want to see more Shorzy. Okay. That's why I want to see. Fuck. Just give it an Oscar. Okay. I love Shorzy. I just want a Shorzy episode of Letterkenny. That's it. I, I think everyone does. I just want more Shorzy in every, in life. I, I still love the, I think, was it the last episode of season six? Or, or oh, I forgot when it was, where Riley and Jonesy were texting their mothers and they both were wanted to know where Shorzy was. If you haven't seen Letterkenny yet, just do it. Pitter patter, all right? Okay, but let's actually talk about the death and life of John F. Donovan. This film looks really interesting. So it's about this mega star, this huge TV star. I, th I think it was just TV. Yeah, an American TV star who is very mysterious. Not a lot of people know much about his personal life, but this kid writes him. This kid is a big fan, writes him, and he writes back. And they actually have this correspondence. So it's not like a creepy relationship between an adult and a child that's not related to him. It's it's interesting because he sees this kid as someone he can open up to. He can be honest to because this kid doesn't want anything from him. The kid is just a fan. It's years later. The TV star is dead and the kid is now an adult. And now what does the kid do or the, the now adult do? Because from what I gather from the trailer, the TV star played by Kit Harrington leaves it up to this kid on if he wants to share the story or not. And the good news is that this is so far getting a meta score of 28. And since those people are gigantic f***ing morons, this could be very good. I actually really want to see this when it comes out December 13th this year. Next up, we have another trailer for Trolls World Tour. And once again, this looks like hot garbage. And the only reason you should ever see this is if you have kids and they want to see this. This, once again, just like the first one, was one of those movies made just to sell a soundtrack. Like, the movie has so little substance that when they sell this movie in the trailer, they go, oh, look at all these songs we have. Look at all these original songs. Look at all these people singing in this. For comparison, look at Trolls, a movie that was big on the music, versus Sing, a movie that's big on the music. But Sing actually had a really good story. It was actually a really good film. 
and it had good music in it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the trailers. The only other new trailer that came out was for a movie coming out this week, this very week, so I'm not going to talk about it. Just like with the news, hey, if I miss something, let me know, and I will talk about it next week. But let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, folks, we are back with the limited releases. So let's just get one right out of the way. A movie I already talked about, but one of my sources... Sources. It sounds so official when I say that, right? But it's just a website. I use three different websites, like you may know, for my show notes... Because none of the three sites, including IMDb, is perfect. They all miss some. But when their powers combine, it becomes one, hopefully, whole list. But actually, we've learned in the past that, no, I've still missed stuff. Somehow. Anyway, the movie that one site is claiming comes out this week, but I thought came out a couple weeks ago, was Frankie. Let's get on with the premise. Three generations grappling with a life-changing experience during one day of a vacation in Sintra, Portugal, a historic town known for its dense gardens and fairy tale villas and palaces. Which, if now I remember, was a piss-poor synopsis, so I said that this is about Isabel Huppert's character, a fantastic French actress, like a, a true jewel from France that I think we should see more of in America. Hell, in American movies, maybe. Or just get more of her French movies over here, except for The Piano Teacher. <clears throat> but anyway, Isabel Hooper's character, I believe from watching the trailer, is dying of cancer. And it's about how she gets her family back together for one last vacation and how they all cope. Next up in the limited release sections, we have a documentary called Shooting the Mafia. Italian photographer Letizia Battaglia spends her career documenting the life and crimes of the Mafia. So this is a documentary that could have been really interesting, but it seems like they are trying to sell us a movie about this woman who spent her life photographing the Mafia, but it looks like even the trailer couldn't stay on point, so let's skip it. Next up, we have a film called Hala that gets a limited theatrical release and comes out on Apple TV+, so yay, a lot of people are going to watch this. A Muslim teenager, Hala, copes with the unraveling of her family as she comes into her own. It's a familiar yet yet important. It's a familiar yet yet important story of this Muslim teenager who's battling two worlds. She's she's wanting to respect and love her family, but they have this very strict way of life and she's in America now and she wants to be a little more free, so sh- there's that. I mean, honestly, it doesn't look bad, but unless I know for a fact it's going to get a wider release than just Apple TV, I'm not going to not, I'm not going to give this a time of day. Next up is a movie called When Lambs Become Lions. This is getting a L.A. release this week. That's Los Angeles only this week. And New York on December 6th. I will not talk about this again on December 6th. Just FYI. I don't know if it's getting a wider release. I couldn't find one. So this is a documentary set in the Kenyan bush. A small-time ivory dealer 
fights to stay on top while forces mobilize to destroy his trade. When he turns to his younger cousin, a conflicted wildlife ranger who hasn't been paid in months, they both see a possible lifeline. Aw, poor poacher. Life is hard. If you're gonna show me a movie about how life is hard for an ivory dealer, aka a f***ing poacher, then you better make it a comedy, because I want to laugh at this guy's pain. Next up in the limited section, we have a film called The Courier. A courier in London discovers that one of the packages she's transporting is a bomb. Oh no, just get rid of it. The end. This stars Gary Oldman from Darkest Hour, Olga Kurienko from Oblivion, and Dermot Mulroney from August Osage County. So not only have we had a week where a Ewan McGregor movie didn't make it as a pick, where a Matt Damon movie didn't make it as a pick, but we have a week where a Gary Oldman movie isn't making it into the wide release section. What the f*** is even going on? What is life? This just looks so basic, and it looks like Gary Oldman accepted this job because it was right in between two other actually important jobs he was doing and thought, hey, I can make some extra money by doing this mindless, stupid flick. Next up, folks, we have a movie called Age Out. Fresh out of foster care at age 18, a young drifter turns to petty crime to survive and discovers an impossible love in an unlikely friend. This stars Ty Sheridan from Ready Player One, Imogen Poots from Green Room, Caleb Landry Jones from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Jeffrey Wright from Westworld, and Brett Butler from Grace Under Fire. I feel bad for Caleb Landry Jones because he is typecast as the creepy motherfucker. Even though he wasn't a bad guy in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, even though he was his character was doing the right thing, he was still a creepy sack of crap. And then in Get Out, he was a creepy sack of crap. And in this movie, he looks like a creepy sack of crap. But hey, at least he's working, right? This movie looks like it could be interesting, but it, it just didn't quite make the cut. Well, my future friends, that is it for the limited releases. Not a lot this week, but then not, not a lot of movies coming out compared to other weeks. So let us actually do take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. And we'll be right back with the wide releases and interesting indies. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up! How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that, a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast on iTunes. Tunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, and we're back with the wide releases and interesting indies with a film called Citizen K. The strange case of Kikhail Kordokovsky, once believed to be the wealthiest man in Russia, who rocketed to prosperity and prominence in the 1990s, served a decade in prison, and became an unlikely martyr for the anti-Putin movement. This is a documentary. 
And what did it do to make it in the wide releases and interesting indie section? Well, I'll tell you what it did. It looked better than the other two documentaries. Neither of the other two documentaries this week showed me why I should watch it. And even though I will probably will never watch Citizen K, it at least had some interesting parts in it. It at least piqued my interest a little bit. I know if I watch a documentary like that, I will be so glad I'm not living in Russia. The amount of shit Putin can get away with is terrifying. I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. If you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, imagine your nightmare president. And don't get cheeky. Don't tell me, oh, Hitler, he'd be really bad. No, out of people that could really theoretically become president, tell me who your nightmare president is. Let me just guess. If you're a Democrat, we probably already have him. He's probably already in office for you. If you're a Republican, it's probably Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton. Even your nightmare president, I think, would be a walk in the park compared to what Russia goes through. So no, I probably will not be watching Citizen K, but guess what? This documentary still looks better than the other two because it presented itself better. It looks like it has a focus unlike, what was the other one, Shooting the Mafia, it looks like it starts out with a focus and then just kind of kind of deviates. And about when lambs become lions, I really don't want to watch a documentary about a poacher. So maybe this movie just made it in the wide releases section because it looks better than the other two. Maybe. Citizen K gets a 4.5 out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a movie called 3022. A group of astronauts living in the haunting emptiness of deep space awake to find Earth has suffered an extinction-level event. This stars Miranda Crossgrove from iCarly, Omar Epps from House, Kate Walsh from Private Practice, Georgia Fox from CSI, and Angus McFadden from Braveheart. All right, this is a very interesting idea. It And this shows, at least the trailer, the movie could be garbage, we don't know yet, or it could be wonderful, or... You know, it could be basic, <laughs> but this shows that at least with the trailer, you can have an original idea as in a concept not based off a already existing book or comic book or being a reboot or a sequel to anything and not even have a big budget and still have it look interesting. This does look interesting. And there are so many ways it could go. It could be that Earth really was wiped out by an asteroid or something or maybe earth is still there and they're just all going crazy and the reason earth isn't responding to their calls is because earth's like nah y'all are f***ing crazy we don't want to talk to you we're just going to leave you up there to die that being said this is a really interesting cast i th i think it's the addition of miranda crossgrove that's really throwing me and nothing against her personally but i'm just so used to her as i carly that I'm like, what's a Nickelodeon girl doing in here? But the others, I, the others didn't throw me at all. And except for Angus McFadden, everyone, all of the big, bigger names in this movie are from TV shows. So good for them for getting a movie. Good, good for them. But 3022 does look interesting. It looks like the type of movie just to keep in the back burner. And one day Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, probably not Disney Plus, but who knows? One of these other streaming services will pick it up and you're just browsing one day because you're bored. You see it and you go, huh, maybe this has a chance of being a sleeper hit like Sunshine or Snowpiercer. Oh, both of those have Chris Evans. But one of those movies that you don't hear a lot about, but people tend to like and gets a lot of buzz and it grows into a cult favorite. Or it could be so bad that you're like, huh, I could be watching the latest Tremors sequel instead. And that would be a better use of my time. 3022 gets a 6 out of 11. 
Next up, we have a film called Dark Waters. A corporate defense attorney takes on an environmental lawsuit against a chemical company that exposes a lengthy history of pollution. It stars Mark Ruffalo from Avengers Endgame, Anne Hathaway from The Devil Wears Prada, Tim Robbins from Mystic River, William Jackson Harper from The Good Place, Bill Pullman from Independence Day, Victor Garber from Alias, Mayor Whitman from St. Elmo's Fire, and Bill Camp from Love and Mercy. So this is one of those movies, one of those fictional movies that is obviously based off some sort of reality. Is this really big, super rich national corporation with its money in the pockets of so many politicians and agencies? Is that supposed to be Monsanto? I don't know. Is it? Does this seem like a spiritual sequel to Aaron Brockovich? Maybe. The good thing about this movie, at least from the trailer, is that even if it is based off current events, it, it's not preachingly doing it. it. It's not like it's it's not like it's jumping on a soapbox and trying to preach. They just wrote a movie that just happens to sound familiar, that just happens to be similar to real cases. Flint, Michigan, anyone? So yes, even though this seems like it's based off real cases, it's still just a movie as well. You can sit down and just watch it as a film that just happens to echo actual events. And I also think that a movie like this is a terrifying reminder of how much power some of these companies have. And hopefully this movie will have a happy ending. Hopefully we will see the people get what they deserve, unlike in real life, where people, especially in big cases like this, don't really. Like whatever happened when the housing bubble burst? How about the people that caused that? nothing. So if you want to watch this movie as kind of a rallying cry or as an example going, yes, this is an example of the injustice in the world. Good for you. Watch it for that reason. I hope you enjoy it. But for me, I would rather just watch this because this looks like a tense investigative movie. Even though this, this looks good, even though this does have a good cast in it, it still does look skippable. It looks like something that if you watch it, you may like it. You may even really enjoy it. You may want to own it, but I don't think you're missing out if you miss this. Dark Waters gets a 6 out of 11. Next up, folks, is a film called 21 Bridges. An embattled NYPD detective is thrust into a citywide manhunt for a pair of cop killers after uncovering a massive and unexpected conspiracy. This stars Chadwick Boseman from Black Panther, J.K. Simmons from Whiplash, Sienna Miller from Burnt, Taylor Kitsch from John Carter, and Keith David from The Thing. And I think this movie chose the worst possible week to come out. I think that once the next two movies I'm going to talk about, once those movies were announced, 21 Bridges should have said f*** that, pulled back, and released itself any other week, just remembering the rule of staying away from anything owned by Disney. If it was just a Disney animated feature coming out this week, if that was the only bigger thing, that would still be a smarter move because this could be something for, an, uh, for adults to watch if they want to go out and watch something that's not a kid's movie. But the fact of the matter is, not only do we have an animated powerhouse coming out this week, but we have another movie that may not be strictly for adults per se, I mean, I bet you a kid might enjoy it, maybe? But we also have a film coming out that is going to be huge. And if not huge, at the very least, when given the chance to watch either 21 Bridges or the other movie came out, coming out this week, I think most adults would go, oh, let's watch the other thing. 21 Bridges could have done so much better, so much better any other week. 
hell, even last week with Ford versus Ferrari and the good liar and waves, even that would have been a better week. I bet you 21 Bridges could have beat the hell out of Charlie's Angels in the box office, but not this week. I do think this looks good. I want to watch this. I like Chadwick Boseman. I want to see more of him and I will watch this movie at one point. Keith David, always a pleasure to watch. Taylor Kitsch, I think he got f I think if John Carter wasn't so screwed over by its piss poor advertising that if people actually watched it, they would have realized, oh, this is a f***ing great film. They would have done more in the John Carter of Mars series. And I think he would have been a little bit bigger now. This looks like a very interesting, very well done, very intense, very entertaining police procedural that, like I've already said so many times, but I'm going to say it again because it's so true, any other week, except for obviously Marvel, Star Wars, when shit like that comes out, any other week would have done better. I think this was a piss poor decision, a piss poor decision, because I've actually seen this movie sold. I've actually seen trailers for this outside of the theater. I've seen ads for this. They have tried to push this. True, not as much as the next two films, but that's exactly the point. If your film is coming out and two other movies are going to obviously outsell it in advertising, maybe you should back the f*** off and come out a different week. I will see this movie. I will probably enjoy this movie. This has a great set of actors in it, but it is sad that this will be buried. This still might outperform Charlie's Angels. It still might destroy that one, but when it comes to the other two films and how hyped they are, this is going to sink so fast. This is just a movie to keep an eye on. The only reason I think you should see this in the theaters is if you go to see one of these other films and the theater is so sold out that you're just like, nah, I don't want to go through all that bullshit with talking people, with people eating popcorn with their mouth open, with people bringing out their phones all the time who should be punched in the face for doing that. I don't want to go, I don't want to go through that. So instead I will watch 21 Bridges, which should be pretty empty. That is the only reason you should watch this film this week. Other than that, just keep an eye on it. Watch it when it comes to streaming or hell, just buy it. I am confident enough that this film is going to be entertaining and even rewatchable that if I had more money, I would just buy it when it came out. But I don't, so I won't. 21 Bridges gets an 8 out of 11. Alright folks, this was a tough week for me, it really was. Okay, that's a lie, it wasn't really tough. When I saw what two movies with the two biggest films coming out were, I knew what my pick was. Even though I am excited for the other film, even though I was looking forward to it, this next film just couldn't beat out the pick of the week. And that next film, that isn't the pick, is called Frozen 2. Anna, Elsa, Kristoff, Olaf, and Sven leave Arendelle to travel to an ancient autumn-bound forest of enchanted land. They set out to find the origin of Elsa's power in order to save their kingdom. This features the voices of Kristen Bell, Andina Menzel, Jonathan Groff, Josh Gad, Evan Rachel Wood, Jason Ritter, Sterling K. Brown, Alan Tudyk, Rachel Matthews, Jeremy Sisto, and Alfred Molina. I really really have to hand it to Disney because it has been six years since the first Frozen came out and they waited quite a while to do this and it makes me think it makes me think that the quality mattered it makes me think that the story mattered it, make me, it makes me think that they did care enough about this film that they didn't just pump out another one just to make money it's true, we had shorts, we had we had some some frozen short movies that came out that were a little lackluster. Okay, 
Fair enough. Those were money grabs, obviously, and also a way to keep this movie in the hearts of many, as if you'll suddenly forget you liked Frozen. But they let the right amount of time pass, where the movie was old enough that you didn't feel like they were rushing it out, but it also isn't so old that you're like, why are they bringing that back just like Avatar? Like, why? Why Why would they do this so many years later? No, it makes sense. It really does. And the story sounds interesting. I heard an interview with the two main songwriters, and it sounds like they took a lot of time in writing the songs because guess what? The quality mattered to them. I think Disney is pretty smart because they like money and they know that the better the job they do, the more money they will get. I also think that Disney knows the difference between their properties. I believe that Disney knows that they sometimes have something so magical, so great that they should take their time with it and put care into it versus other times where they're like, oh, no one actually gives a f about this. Let's just try to pump out some sequels, pump out some straight to DVD releases, pump out something to put on Disney Plus just for a quick buck. And luckily they realized that Frozen was the powerhouse was the mega event it was. Hell, I didn't start working at the at, at New Leaf Market where I work. I didn't start working there until 20, 2015, two years after Frozen came out. And I was still hearing that goddamn song on the radio. And not just around Christmas, in the middle of f***ing summer, that song would come on. And then if Walker was there, I would lock eyes with him and we would start singing along because we're embarrassing nerds. That's the way it works for us, but for everyone else, you could tell they're kind of over it, but it was still such a powerhouse, it was still such a big deal that the song kept on coming on, that kids still sung along, that kids still love it, even some adults still loved it. I'll admit, I do love Frozen, but it has been a while since I've watched it again, and this movie has made me want to watch it again. Do I want to build a snowman? Yes, Anna. I want to build a snowman again. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for getting these goddamn songs stuck in my head one more time. Thank you for probably introducing to me more songs that will get stuck in my head. Another movie soundtrack I'm going to have to buy and put on my shelf. Does it matter that I have Spotify? No, because I want to own it. I want to see it on my shelf and go, look, look, I have that. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be really honest with you. Unless you have children, do not see this opening weekend. If you if you don't have kids, if you don't have a family that is begging you to see this, wait. Wait for three weeks, maybe even four weeks, and then watch it. Because by that time, there will still be kids in the theater, annoying-ass little kids in the theater, but it won't be packed with them. Instead, this week, if you see a new movie, watch the movie I'm going to talk about next. Watch that instead. Because even though I think the next movie is going to be better in every way, even though I've been looking forward to the next movie since I've heard about it first mentioned, even though I think that it is Oscar material, there's no way the next movie is going to beat Frozen 2. No way in hell. I think it's going to be at least four weeks until Frozen 2 is taken down from the top spot at the box office. At the very least, four weeks. Because the movie I really want to see next week, I think it is going to be really good, but I don't think it's going to take down Frozen 2 at all. Week 2, the big movie that I want to see, again, will be entertaining, will be fun, won't take down Frozen. Maybe, maybe the big movie in three weeks could take it down. Maybe, but probably not. It's not until week four that a film big enough comes out that could possibly topple it. Hell, not even possibly, that will 
take it down from the top spot. In four weeks, we will see Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker hit theaters. That is also the same weeks that Cats will be destroyed in the theaters. Only that will take Frozen 2 down. Maybe, maybe Jumanji the next level. Probably not. In fact, I'm willing to bet that it won't, but it could probably take it down just because I think the first of the new Jumanjis did so much better after its theater time because then people actually gave it a shot because it was on streaming or they just bought it or they rented it and they went, holy sh**, this is actually really fun. I love this film. So I think that number two will do better than one did just because it will have garnered more fans than it did the first time around. But it's not until then. Frozen 2 is going to be massive and it gets a 9 out of 11. All right, folks, it's time for the pick of the week. I think you know what it is, so just say it with me. The pick of the week is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. This is based on the true story of a real-life friendship between Fred Rogers and journalist Tom Junod. This stars Tom Hanks from Bosom Buddies, Matthew Reese from The Americans, Chris Cooper from American Beauty, Susan Kelechi Watson from This Is Us, and Enrico Colantoni from Galaxy Quest. You knew it, right? You knew what my pick was going to be. You knew what it had to be. First off, I love Mr. Rogers because I'm not some sort of savage, okay? I understand not everyone was familiar with Mr. Rogers. I mean, my wife isn't. Maybe because she grew up in another country. That's probably the case. And maybe kids these days aren't familiar with Mr. Rogers. But if you're at the very least my age, if you're, if you're, hell, late 20s, to mid-30s, even older than that, even my parents appreciate Mr. Rogers. So if you're anywhere in that age range and you don't love Mr. Rogers, I pray for your soul. You are probably some sort of monster. Do you torture puppies for fun? Is that what you do? To not love Mr. Rogers. So we just take that this movie is based off one of the most beloved people in American history, in the history of the world. So you take that. You couple it with the fact that Tom Hanks is playing Mr. Rogers, one of the nicest currently working celebrities in the world. And you couple that with the fact that the story that this movie is telling is a, is a at least now, little known story of Mr. Rogers' life and how he's such a wonderful f***ing person that it changed the life of this guy who was interviewing him. But let's be honest, it's not that simple. If the the movie could still look terrible, it could, it could have still have been garbage. But I think that the trailers have done a great enough job to guarantee that this film is going to be good, that I have no fear going into this. Worst case scenario, absolute worst case scenario in my eyes, possible worst case scenario, is that this film is just okay. That the love of this film would be solely based off the love of Mr. Rogers. Best case scenario is that this is actually a good film on top of that nostalgia love as well. This is the film to watch this week. Again, unless you have a family, you want to take some young kids to go see Frozen 2, because I don't think they'd be able, be able to appreciate A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, just because it's not going to focus, I don't think, too much on his kids' show. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, if you 
didn't know what the show is called, you mouth breather. Even though I think the movie would still be family friendly, I don't think it would be appreciated by younger audiences where Frozen 2, they would eat that shit up but for everyone else i think this is the movie you should see and i think this is a movie that even though even though i always say that big blockbusters deserve to be seen on the big screen because you get more enjoyment from it on the big screen and that smaller films or maybe not even smaller films films that don't have much cg don't have much flashy stuff going on are just as good on the small screen and i still believe that by the way i still think that this movie is big enough is great enough is worth it to still see in theaters, even though I think Tom Hanks will be just as amazing on your small screen. And now we come to the part where I don't even know what else to say anymore. I, I just really want to see this. I cannot wait. My wife and I are going to go see Last Christmas before it leaves theaters because she very rarely wants to see a movie in theaters. She very rarely asks me and she asked me to see that. So of course we're going to go because I am not some sort of monster. And I want to see it because I love I love Christmas, even though it's not even Thanksgiving yet. But still, we're going to see that first. I will see this movie, maybe even next week. Maybe even this week. Maybe I'll see two movies this week. I'll go crazy. Who knows? So with this movie, it's not a question of if I will watch it in the theaters. It's just how soon will I watch it in theaters. The minute this movie comes out to own, I am going to buy it. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to watch it again. I'm already going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you that and promise you that. And I will prove it on Instagram and Twitter. I will show you that the minute this comes out, I will buy it and I will rewatch it. I will probably ugly cry. This movie is going to make me ugly cry. I'm going to be sitting there with whatever snack I have weeping, wondering why my chocolate is so salty. Oh wait, it's my tears. Why is my shirt wet? Is it raining inside? No, it's the water leaking from my face. I am already such an emotional wreck from this film that just watching the trailer chokes me up. Especially that scene where you see Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, of course, sitting at the piano, playing the piano during the Mr. Rogers theme as everyone's shutting down the set around him. That just, that's a gut punch right there. Do you remember in in the first two Terminator movies how they did hint that there were ways to tell if a person was really human or Terminator or not? Uh, they did actually show that dogs were one of those ways. I now know another way. Show them this movie, and if they feel nothing, they are a cold, dead robot. I wonder what score I'm going to give this film. I don't know. 9, maybe? 9.5? 10? 10.5? 11? 20? 1,000? A million? I don't know. Oh, wait, I do. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood gets an 11 out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it for this episode. Now let us take our final break as we hear word from our friends at the We're Doing Fight podcast with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned and we'll be right back with the question of the week. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. All right, we're back. That's right. We did skip the question of the week last week. I do have enough time this week. It helps that this week didn't have as many movies as last week did or last two weeks, it helped a lot. So if you don't remember, the question from two weeks ago was, pick a serious actor, current or past, they get put in a kid 
focused family comedy, which actor, and for bonus points, give me the movie's plot. For the first answer, we turn to our good, good friend, Brian Q, who said, Humphrey Bogart has to raise Bing Crosby's kid after Bing beats the boy while teaching him to sail. So fa family friendly comedy, huh? <laughs> so Bogart is the admiral of a military school that seems to have a shortage of strawberry ice cream. The movie is called The Whipped Cream Always Rises. So, Brian Q, tell me, does this shit just come to you? Does it just appear poof in your mind? Th this magic that you just wrote, this these wonderful puns you throw out, uh, does it just come to you magically? Because I'll be quite honest with you, anything funny I've ever said on the show may have taken a take or two. For the next answer, we turn to Anne, who says, A remake of Kindergarten Cop with Keanu Reeves and Emily Blunt. Yes, I will take them in any movie. I don't care what it is. I'll watch Keanu Reeves and Emily Blunt all day long. Keanu Reeves is kind of like Tom Hanks in, in the way where he's beloved, right? I think Keanu Reeves has never been bigger right now. And I think it's, I think it's really come out that not only is he actually a good actor which I think we've known for a good while now, but he's also a super good guy. And I, I think all of that is, is just all coming together in this perfect harmony where people are realizing we just love Keanu Reeves. And ladies and gentlemen, for my answer, I'm going to go with Denzel Washington, Jodie Foster, and Forrest Whitaker. And I, I want to put them in a movie kind of like that Batista film, My Spy. Or if you just think of the movie Stakeout, but you know, kid-friendly, maybe not rated R. Oh no, I got it. Okay, they're a team of special agents that have to protect this kid. This kid who's the, the child of some famous politician or famous actor or, or something like that. And the kid is acting out, gets in loads of trouble, gets them in a load of trouble. But you just find out that the kid is lonely, that they don't get to see their parents a lot. And so they bond. Oh, that'd be cute. And the kid, of course, is played by Jacob Tremblay, because who else would he be played by at this point? And ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the new question of the week. And for the new question of the week, we're going back to last week with the release of Charlie's Angels, because this is a, a question that Anne helped me come, come up with, but we didn't ask last week, of course. So here it goes. Recast Charlie's Angels with whoever you want, any three actresses from history. Which three actresses? And then tell me if it's a comedy or if it's a, a slightly more serious like the new one. So once again, recast Charlie's Angels again. Pick any three actresses, and is it serious or a comedy? All right, my future friends, so that is it for this episode. This is the shortest one in a while, right? I don't know what's going to clock in clock in at, at the end. Maybe just a little, a little under an hour, maybe? Whatever. Well, without further ado, let us jump into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. 
And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.